This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. Um, after nearly four months of not being able to perform, Dancebox August 2020 is back to present 10 new dance works from both emerging and established choreographers. And it looks to be an interesting mix of everything ranging from Indian classical dance to contemporary works. And the show is being staged on the 22nd and 23rd of August. Joining me today is one of the dancer choreographers that is being featured in the show, Huawei An. Thanks for joining me, Weyan. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, so maybe we can start by talking about what I just mentioned, the fact that it's actually been a while since anyone has been able to present works, to perform. Um, mm-hmm. What has that been like for you as, as you know, someone who is a performer? Mm, for me, it's been a little bit tough uh, because like everyone else, I've had, had, I've had shows and opportunities cancelled or postponed. So that's been a little bit of a bummer. Uh, it's been a lot of time spent at home mm. instead of time spent in the studio. But thankfully, during the past month or so, I was able to be at Ribbundahan to get some work on my solo done. But it's also been good in some ways because the time at home has also been a chance to rest and to think about things instead of worrying about deadlines and whatnot. And I do think that's been beneficial for me and also for my work because it's been a chance to revisit ideas and to reconsider directions with what I'm doing. Mm. So you've mm. been on a residency at Rimundahan, yes? Mm-hmm. Yep. I only moved there after the interstate travel ban was lifted. Mm. So only at the end of June. Mm-hmm. And then I was there till early this month. So the work that you are going to be presenting at Dancebox, mm-hmm. is that going to be what you worked on during the residency? Uh, yes, I'm, I'm not going to be showing the full work, but just a little bit of an excerpt as a test and as a trial with new audiences. And also because, yeah, it's just good. I would like to, it's good for me to share what I'm doing and I want to be able to do that. Mm. Now, uh, I know that um, in, in many of your bios, it starts off mm-hmm. with um, you've spent your life falling. Oh. Um, and uh, the, the previous work that you did was called The Art of Falling. And the yeah. one that you're working on now is called The Reason for Falling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell me a little, before we get into this specific work, tell me about this fascination mm-hmm. with falling and, and I guess gravity and all versions of that. I've always been a big fan of watching things like the X Games, uh, <laughs> where when I was a teenager and still in the afternoon sessions of school, sometimes in the morning on MTV7 before before like, the regular programs would start, <laughs> yes. then they would show clips from the X Games and stuff. I used to love watching it. Um, I used to... These two guys in particular, the Yasutoko brothers, yeah. uh, two Japanese guys who would like, fly in and out of the half pipe. And then, I mean, I just enjoyed watching it and it's always been a fascination. And over the past few years, that interest has picked up again after not being engaged with watching it for a couple of years. And... At the same time, as a dancer and choreographer, I had started to 
more as a dancer, really, I had started to teach a class called The Art of Falling because when I was working in Singapore in a company called Frontier Danceland, I was teaching an open class and I realized that one of the needs that people had was to learn how to fall and to use the floor because there's a lot of fear and trepidation in learning things sometimes. And learning how to fall can help to deal with that fear and so I started teaching a class based on that. And then after I left my position with Frontier and I had the chance to do my first residency at Rimbundahan in 2018, I was quite uncertain about what I wanted to do with the time. And after lying on the ground, staring at the ceiling, <laughs> wondering what I was doing with my life for a week or so, yeah. I realized that actually it would be a good opportunity to try to make this class that I was teaching into a piece uh, because that was already where there was a lot of interest. And yeah, and so that's kind of how it started, I guess. And yeah. how did that evolve into your current piece? Mm. So just before I did my first residency at Rimbundahan, I had been in... Uh, I'd been, I started working with an organization called Dance Nucleus in Singapore. And there I had the chance to explore this idea of free riding. Mm -hmm. Free riding being like guys on mountain bikes or snowboards or skis going into what they call the back country. So not going to resorts and parks where everything is neat and curated, but just going out to the mountains and just doing crazy things on their bicycles and snowboards and so on. Uh, so I, at Dance Nucleus, I had the opportunity to work with a Belgian choreographer called Arco Renz. And this was an opportunity for me to start exploring how to translate some of these ideas, or maybe not translate so much as reinterpret these ideas, taking them from the mountain to the flat empty space of a dance studio uh, to try very much so to live vicariously what those guys experience on a daily basis. Mm. Uh, so I had started with that and then after that I made the art of falling at Rimbundahan and over the past couple of years these lines of exploration have kind of grown in parallel to each other and sometime last year, I decided to build these two things together to try to strip them off the peripheral and get to the core of what these two things were. Mm -hmm. And so that's how, that's where this solo that I'm building now is coming from. So I've... I saw um, a clip of um, the solo that you're working on, uh, mm -hmm. The Reason for Falling. And I found it really interesting because it's true to what you're talking about, that inspiration from free riding. Um, mm -hmm. There is a sense of uncertainty or, 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 or um, uh, unpredictability of the movements, but there's also mm -hmm. a sense of grace. There's a lot of gracefulness in the movements. And I was surprised by that because that's not what I would think of when I think of something like free riding. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my question would be, how do you bring together these two very different, um, you know, on the one hand, dance, and the other mm-hmm. hand, something like uh, something that has this perception of being rough and unpredictable, like free riding, and put them yeah. together? Good question. Uh, for me, when I watch free riders, uh, whichever discipline they're in, there actually is a lot of grace in their movements, uh, even though the things that they do are often in extreme and sometimes inhospitable terrain. And even though there's a lot of danger in it, uh, it's a lot of... When, when I watch movies about these guys or listen to interviews with them, it's, they work a lot with this, with the need to work with the terrain that they are in and not try to fight it. And at the same time, there's also this sense of not trying to force things and trying to, how do I say it? Uh, not trying to force, not trying to hold on too tightly to control. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a lot of, and one of the other ideas is letting go of control. I mean, not just not holding on tightly, but letting go of it. Because when we're always trying to hold on to things and we're very like, tight and up here, but when we let go and in their case, or even in the case of the dance, try to let the training and the experience and the background that we have take over, then you can find opportunities to be soft and graceful and to let go of that tightness. Mm. And I think it's the same in a way, whether it's dance or whether you're free riding, if you're trying to hold on too tightly, then it becomes evident in the way you move. It's stiff and it's jerky and it's hard. And then the more you try to hold on, the more mistakes you make, the stiffer you get. Right. Yeah. So what is being shown at Dancebox? Ah, so at Dancebox, it's not the entire completed work. With the entire work, I'm trying to create a full-length work ah. for the solo. So a full-length being a... For those who aren't familiar with the term, a full-length being a show where it stands alone in an evening's performance or entertainment. Mm-hmm. So I'm just showing a short 10-minute excerpt. It's quite different from some of the things that I've done previously. So it's also a good chance to to get feedback on it mm-hmm. and to yeah to try it out in a setting because I'm not familiar with this kind of thing that I'm sharing. Yeah. So I'm curious because um, clearly you started working on this a while ago and it's been sort mm-hmm. of a work that you've built on and evolved. Um, yeah. Has this year changed... Um, changed your approach to it, changed what's in the work? You know, because it's been a pretty significant uh, first half of the year for most of us. In a way, in a... uh, Yeah. Yes, I think so. Um, As you mentioned, the current working title of the piece is A Reason for Falling. And so that was really the angle that I was taking with the work over the past few months, eight months or so since I started working on it, or maybe no more than that, 10 months mm. since I started working on trying to develop this into a full length. Uh, but then a couple of months ago, in a discussion with the folks over at Dance Nucleus, who I should mention are co-producing this work and who've been very supportive, so them and Rimbundahan, 
uh, in a discussion with them in this reading group that we were having, they were talking about the idea of choreography or the process of choreography being an act of trying to answer a question. And also before that, of trying to figure out what the question is. Mm. And so from that point, I or from that idea of trying to answer a question, during the MCO period, when I had time to think about the work, I realized that maybe instead of trying to go, you know, oh yeah, this piece is telling you why you should fall and why falling is a good thing, which I don't want to do because that's that's not the tone or the angle that I want to take with the piece, but it was the one that I was exploring because uh, the question then became, what would it mean then if I were to free ride myself? So instead of having a bicycle or a snowboard or a set of skis, how can I really try to live vicariously this experience of the guys on the big mountains? And also, I guess, whether or not it's possible to recreate something that is so dependent on terrain and translate that into this space with nothing but myself. Mm. Yeah. And no terrain actually. <laughs> yes, no terrain. Yeah, yeah, just flat floor. And where it's where it's so safe also compared to what they are experiencing mm. or what they are dealing with on a regular basis. Mm. So that was that's the question that I've started to ask myself and one of the big changes in how I've started to look at the creation of this solo. Mm. What kind of um, dance language or choreographic language have you used in the work? This one, I don't think about, I mean, generally, I don't think about this so specifically, Mm. but what does come out a lot in the work is obviously there's a lot of floor work in the piece and a lot of my background and something that I still train with regularly is breaking or b-boying that's very much the first dance that I started with before I went to dance school uh, before I went to uh, Nanyang Academy of Fine Arts to get my ballet and contemporary training with learn how to point my feet and contract (laughs) my stomach yeah so that was uh, uh, breaking is where I started and it's where just in terms of like, as a specific dance, as a standalone dance style breaking is where I still have a lot of interest because it's, it is exciting and it's dynamic and it's, there are so many possibilities within breaking. Mm. Yeah. So that comes through a lot in the piece. Right. And then it's trying to, uh, and it, it's not, I, I do also want to say that it's not an intentional thing where I'm like, yeah, let's put, it's, it's a lot of the vocabulary comes through because it makes sense in the context of what I'm doing, where there is this sense of risk and fall and danger that I am trying to create in the piece. Mm. Yeah. When it comes to contemporary dance, right, it's often mm-hmm. viewed as being, um, not that it is, but it's often perceived as being difficult or inaccessible to maybe a more general audience. Do you mm-hmm. think that um, a work like this, which draws on things that are perhaps a little bit more accessible, things like uh, extreme sports or breaking, um, yeah. do you think that um, that it, in some ways it can actually bridge those gaps? Ooh, that is 
a tricky question and potentially sensitive as well. <laughs> so hmm. uh, I would say that in my experience watching contemporary dance, it has it's sometimes been alienating for me as well, even as a practitioner, because sometimes I watch things and I don't relate to the content and I don't relate to the way that people are moving, whether that's a kind of intellectual understanding or a kind of sort of kinesthetic empathy where like, oh, I feel like I want to move like that. Mm. So I guess when both of these things are missing, then that's when contemporary dance becomes hard for me to relate to. And so I guess one of the things that I hope is that even if people can't relate to the story or the content of the piece, that the, I guess the physicality of the piece is something that people will still be able to appreciate. Mm. Uh, so in answer to your question, yes, I hope that the nature of the work does help to bridge that gap between people who don't often watch and appreciate or experience contemporary dance and the contemporary dance mm. scene. <laughs> yeah. So ultimately, um, just to wrap things up, what yeah. would you like the audience to take away from watching your work? I guess there are a couple of things. One of them being that, I mean, at the moment, the title of the piece that I mentioned before is A Reason for Falling, and you've mentioned. And I guess speaking about it, it's a bit hard not to be a little bit didactic. Mm. But I guess one of the things, no, I guess one of the things that if people took away, if they watch the piece and go, oh, you know, maybe I could try some of that or not necessarily some of what I do, but maybe I could try, yeah, and take a risk in my life and do something out of the box, even if it's not physical at all. If they walk away with that, that would be really cool. Um, I think the other thing is that at an even more sort of basic level when it comes to dance and the arts and even entertainment, if people walk away and they go, you know what, I enjoyed that. I don't know how it relates to me. I don't know whether or not that has changed my life, but I enjoyed that and it's made my day better. If they can say that, then I think that's, that's already good enough. That is the first and perhaps most important box that I would like to tick. Well, thank you, Weyan. Thank you, Sharmila. Yeah. I've been speaking with Huawei An, who is one of the dancers and choreographers being presented in Dancebox August 2020, uh, which is presenting 10 new dance works. Um, and it will be featuring uh, alongside Wei An, Steve Goh, Zenzu Chandrasekharan and Kritika Ramachandran, Douglas Labadin, Dalila Samad, Chan Kaka and Maro Collective, Jeremiah Lim, Sham No and Kenny Shim. So all of that is happening on the 22nd and 23rd of August at the Kuala Lumpur Performing Arts Centre. Entries by donation of 15 ringgit and prior registration is a must. So for more information, go to klpack.org. And if you've missed any part of today's interview or any previous front row segments, you can download the podcasts on bfm.my, on our BFM app or on Spotify. You've been listening to Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.